The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to Tech Trader on Barron's Live. I'm Barron's Associate Editor, Eric Sabitz. Thanks for coming back again. I'm welcome, uh, happy to welcome to our program today my friend Paul Meeks, who is a longtime uh, fund manager in, in the technology sector, who, um, who also uh, has another job where you might uh, notice he's in a uh, academic office or he's a professor of finance at uh, the Citadel uh, in South Carolina. Paul, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Eric, it's always a pleasure. I, you know, we started talking back in 94 or 95 from my uh, recollection. So, man, I, I admire your work and I like being on the program. Thanks very much. Yeah, we've been, uh, it's, it's been an, an, a, a scarily long time uh, that we've yes. known each other and uh, and I appreciate being here with us. So this has been a kind of a, a fascinating and uh, frustrating year for uh, for technology investors, as we all know. Um, we've, we've, we get these pockets of uh, uh, strong rallies. We saw one yesterday. We started with one earlier today and it seems to be fading away. Um, how are you feeling about the prospects for technology stocks right now as we head into what will be a pretty, uh, pretty important earnings season? Uh, we really, it really starts this afternoon. Netflix uh, will report today, IBM tomorrow. And then, of course, next week, we get uh, all the big caps, all the mega cap companies, uh, Microsoft and Amazon and so on and Apple uh, yeah. will be reporting. How are you feeling as we head into this earnings season? So I'm still anxious. You know, I uh, started getting anxious around Thanksgiving of last year. And when I see big up days, not just in tech, but in the market, you know, I feel a little bit of a uh, relief. But unfortunately, we've had six or seven of these bear market rallies. None of them have held and they've uh, ended up moving to lower lows. I think what you just referred to is super important. You know, these earnings reports, you know, not only will we find out how they did versus what was expected for them to do for the September 30 quarter. That's all rearview mirror stuff. But what are they going to say, not just about uh, December, but are they going to give us a glimpse at all into next year? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, right now, if we're not in a recession, one is imminent. And how are they going to respond? And when companies say, that, oh, we're going to have a quick snapback next quarter, or we're going to have a quick snapback by March or June of next year, I think that they're speculating. I don't think we know enough yet for even CEOs and CFOs to uh, issue that kind of commentary. So I'm still kind of waiting for more evidence. So, you know, one of the things that we've seen in the last few weeks is we've seen some pretty stark warnings from a, a handful of companies, some in tech and some in other uh, places. Uh, but so, so you look, for example, at Micron, uh, which is a stock you and I have talked about many times in the past, uh, which we've both been kind of bullish on. Yeah. Um, Micron issued has issued a couple of warnings, actually, uh, most recently gave a, a, a very stark uh, warning for their, uh, this will be their uh, November quarter. They're on a slightly different fiscal year, of course, and really getting hit hard by a slowdown in PC demand. And, you know, the, the guidance they provided uh, was way below the street consensus. And 
what's interesting to me is the stock actually behave, has behaved pretty well since they did that. And it makes me wonder whether one of two things is happening. Either, either investors have decided uh, that quarter will be the worst it will ever get, like that they've that that's going to be the bottom and are trying to look past that, or they're looking way past that. And of course, Micron has uh, announced uh, some long-term investments, including this uh, you know gigantic hundred billion dollar fab they're going to build in upstate New York, largest fab ever in the U.S. So either people are looking very long-term, which I have trouble believing, or they think that we're hitting some sort of short-term bottom. And I wonder how you think about that and how, as we get guidance for the December quarter and, and, and to your comment, maybe beyond the December quarter, whether there's going to be a temptation to want to say they've kitchen synced it. That's as bad as it's going to get. Um, and that seems to be that that could be a cause for optimism also, or it could be, uh, you know, a, 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 a false uh, a false optimism. How do you think about that? Yeah, that's a great uh, point. Of course, Microsoft, uh, not Microsoft, uh, Micron's a bellwether for a lot of right. things we're talking about, even beyond the semiconductor industry within the tech sector. You know, what I worry about there is, you know, this company at one point, it still is a cyclical company, but at one point at the downturns in the cycle, they lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Now, it looks like when they lose money under their new ownership and their new improved business mix that they will be break even mm -hmm. to slightly unprofitable, but not uh, bleeding profusely as they did in past cycles. So I give them some cred for that. But I think that investors are too focused on the first thing that you mentioned, that this is the trough. Uh, because you know this is a company that could easily guide lower, if not this next quarter, the one beyond. And they're one of the companies that I described at the top of the segment where their CEO gave pretty aggressive commentary about how we're going to see a second half snapback. Mm -hmm. So investors are betting on that. And I don't know, even though I really admire him, if he really has that kind of visibility. Because, of course, you know, Micron with NAND Flash and DRAM is really levered to consumer electronics, right. not just PCs, but smartphones. And, of course, right. PCs are falling off a cliff and smartphones are also pretty weak. So I think it might be too early to get into Micron. I don't uh, debate the long-term drivers. They are there. I think what they're doing to build capacity long-term is a savvy thing to do, particularly mm -hmm. onshoring. But I don't think they can, or anybody who follows the company, can say that uh, with a lot of authority that we're about ready to turn this thing. I'm a little bit worried. Right. Okay. So next week, we're going to get uh, earnings reports from all of the largest cap tech companies, right? Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. Uh, Meta and uh, Alphabet all report earnings in a three-day period, uh, yeah. basically. Um, I, I wonder how you're feeling about the mega cap names and whether there's any that stand out to you as either attractive or uh, or or, or uh, uh, dangerous. Yeah. So among the fangs, then I add to the traditional definition of fangs, maybe uh, NVIDIA and Microsoft, right? Sure. One of the uh, original acronym. Yeah, I worry about uh, all of them. I think if you held them in uh, portfolios, maybe you hold them, but uh, I would not buy them, particularly ahead of their results, because I don't know if the bottoms to analyst expectations are in. Mm -hmm. They might have to go through one to two more quarters of lowering numbers. And Eric, even if a stock is cheap, 
you can't really get in, even as a value or a contrarian investor, when you are still ahead of further downgrades and estimates, whether it be revenue or earnings per share. So among those, I feel probably uh, the most solid Alphabet, because Alphabet uh, does have some other drivers besides digital advertising and digital advertising will come back when the economy comes back. Uh, I think Amazon, even though I worry in the near term about all the uh, costs that they added right before uh, e-commerce started to slow, they're now uh, transitioning away and a little bit more savvy with their cost structure. A couple more quarters, but I'm okay with it long term. Still like uh, Microsoft and the driver of Azure, still like the driver of AWS at Amazon. Facebook or Meta, I still stay away from, right? This is one that I think there could be uh, lower numbers. Unfortunately, uh, they don't have just the problem with digital advertising shrinking in a recession. They're also losing digital, digital advertising share to TikTok. And of course, spending gobs of money on the metaverse. And I don't know if that's an appropriate thing to do. Uh, Netflix, as you said, Eric, we'll see tonight. But all of them, I would uh, probably still take a wait and see posture. But as I said just now, there's a couple I like a little bit more. But I see more opportunities beyond the fangs. I see them in some smaller cap uh, tech stocks that are, frankly, not well covered. Okay. Well, we're and uh, that's a sneak preview. We're going to come back to that in a second. But I do want to just drill down on a couple of, of um, sort of thematic uh, elements that we're going to see in the large cap numbers, right? So uh, you mentioned AWS. Uh, uh, of course, that group of companies includes the three large cloud providers, uh, uh, AWS, uh, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud. Uh, buried in those three earnings reports uh, should be, again, very strong numbers from the cloud providers. Although I worry a little bit that um, we could see... Um, um, a few signs of softer growth, slightly slower growth. Those three businesses are all um, uh, uh, consumption-driven models. So basically their customers are metered like electricity or running water, right? So in an environment when their own businesses are slower, so maybe online retailing or uh, streaming video or uh, social media, um, they may use a little bit less. Uh, we saw this actually a couple of quarters ago. Snowflake had this happen to them, uh, where, although they had a better quarter last time. But I do worry whether we might see a little of that, and if it's true, whether the market might react negatively to that. I, I wonder how you think about that. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely a risk, because we know their legacy businesses or their uh, original businesses are going to be in some trouble, right? You can't uh, get around that, you know, technology is pretty cyclical and we're, if we're not in a recession, one is imminent. But yes, the golden boys have been, not just for those three companies, but everybody else in that uh, cloud food chain, uh, you know, the lifesavers. And they've been growing 30, 40% clip. I would not be surprised at all, Eric, just like you highlighted, that uh, they have a growth rate that is still impressive, mm -hmm. but man, a pretty big, or at least a modest ratchet down from that 30% per annum clip. Okay. And that might so, scare some folks because, of course, you know, the uh, valuation of a lot of those companies are overwhelmingly dependent on the success right. of their infrastructure cloud businesses. Right. I think uh, one that I the other I think another that I would uh, another theme I would highlight is you know, we talked about softness in the consumer uh, electronics space. Um, 
of that group of companies, the ones that seem most levered to that are, um, it's, it's really starts with Apple, right? Apple's um, almost exclusively consumer-driven business. And uh, I was uh, I saw a note today from one analyst who was pointing out that it's it's mostly a transactional company, right? So they don't have long-term contracts. Um, you go out and you buy a new device uh, and every quarter they start from, you know, relatively little revenue in the bank on like say a, a cloud business, for example. And uh, they are, they are certainly sensitive to the, uh, to the global economy. And I, I wonder whether that's going to show up um, either in this quarter or next quarter, or maybe the quarter after uh, in the form of slower iPhone sales slower Mac sales and so on. Are, are, yeah, are, no, I, I think that's uh, right. Um, I worry mostly about a slowdown, not this quarter, but uh, going forward, because I feel okay about this quarter. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to consumer electronics slowdown, they might see a slowing in the iPhone growth, but I think it'll really hit them, Eric, in all other areas of consumer electronics. Uh, so yeah, that's one that, you know, just like uh, my other fangs that I mentioned, if I held it, I'd hold it. They'll be fine long-term. Yeah. But I'm a little bit worried about uh, not this quarter, but what they say on this conference call about the next. Right. Okay. So one uh, one name you mentioned in passing, I want to talk a little bit more about is Nvidia. Um, Nvidia, all, like Micron, Nvidia has had a kind of series of uh, uh, guidance uh, reductions. Um, in, in some cases, for very specific reasons, they've been affected by regulatory changes, and they've had um, issues. Uh, uh, tied to, uh, they're sort of indirectly tied to the crypto market where their GPUs are being used for crypto mining. And so there's, there were a bunch of um, kind of, um, uh, there's a lot of static around uh, the company. Um, and, and on the other hand, um, they're also a big bet on the cloud, right? Uh, they are, uh, they're a key provider of, of processors uh, to data centers and to the cloud providers as well. And, um, and then they also have sort of a long-term bet on automotive on EVs and yeah. um, autonomous driving. I'm intrigued by NVIDIA, but is a messy story. And I wonder how you're thinking about the stock. Right yeah. Now. So I like uh, NVIDIA long-term, but I'm really worried about their short-term. You know, they very drastically cut numbers twice in a number of weeks. And so their uh, business uh, really took a quick uh, meltdown unless right. they were hiding some of the uh, problems, uh, you know, the first time around. And so I'm not sure that we're through that. So this is one of those that love it long-term. I agree with all the long-term theses, but uh, in the near term, yeah, uh, you know, they're hit by, as you said, the uh, crypto, you know, they don't really break out crypto to its impact right. on its GPU sales, but we know it's there. Right. And uh, yeah, the regulatory issues in China and some of these other things. And remember the stock, you know, when it uh, got up to the largest semiconductor market cap on planet earth <laughs> it was very richly priced yeah and even though it's come down a lot i don't want to say it's a screaming bargain yet particularly with the risk so i'm stay away and probably stay away that name for the next quarter to a more confident uh when we get to the bottom of the numbers that i can buy it for the long term because i do like it long term okay so let's talk a little more broadly about semiconductors so you know you and i've talked a lot about the chip industry over the years and um you know a lot of the names we've been talking about uh, uh, Micron and NVIDIA and some of the others are very tied to the PC cycle. And so like 
as is the case with Intel and AMD and a few other names. Um, but then there's a whole set of other uh, other chip companies that have very little PC exposure that are more tied to um, automotive industrial demand. The automotive sector in particular uh, continues to be pretty robust. Even Micron, which has had trouble with a lot of other of their end markets, is seeing strong demand in the in the automotive uh, part of their business. I wonder if you're finding anything to buy in the chip sector away from uh, you know PC centric players. Yeah, so my uh, tech model, my tech portfolio is light uh, semis and related semi capital equipment names. When mm -hmm. I do go in, and it's uh, very few, Eric, I'll go into something like an on semiconductor, mm -hmm. right? To play that theme, it's done uh, quite well. Uh, NXP semiconductor, maybe analog devices, maybe Infineon, if you're worried to uh, go abroad and buy a pink sheet traded <laughs> stock, they have pretty solid prospects and you know there's still reasonable valuations and I would play there. But to put this in perspective, if you take a look at the um, technology uh, ETF, right? The mm -hmm. XLK is probably the best known. Right. It's 25 to 30% weighted to semis. Mm -hmm. My weighting right now, two or three percent. Okay, so uh, that is the uh, area <laughs> that I'm actually okay. scared the most of. Got it. Okay, so so let's talk about. Uh, you mentioned that you there are some small cap names you like. Um, uh, let's talk about a few of those. Um, uh, we talked uh, in preparation for this interview. We talked about a few of them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, for example, um, Harmonic, which I know is a company you like. Yeah. Talk about that. Tell people a little bit of what they do and why you like it. Yeah. So Harmonic is a uh, pretty small company, only has about a $1.5 billion market cap. And frankly, uh, I know a lot of the marquee tech investors, and I know that they don't even know what this company does. <laughs> and so I try to find these kind of tech-ish plays, Eric, to kind of avoid the pure play tech stocks, which frankly are too dangerous. So this is a company I would say is a communications equipment provider. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though they have a services component, which is attractive, but they sell their gear and their services to cable access and video, including video streaming players. Mm -hmm. And so the nice thing is they're growing like a weed, regardless of recession conditions. They have a richening product transition and mix, which is increasing their operating margin nicely. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, uh, supposed to earn about 70 cents uh, next year. Uh, the stock is trading at about 20 times earnings. So it has done well this year. And it is trading a couple turns on a PE basis higher than the S&P 500, but it's going to probably for the next several years uh, grow its earnings per share at about 40 to 50% per year. Uh, revenues probably 20% per year with the operating margin uh, pop. Mm -hmm. And the last four or five quarters, Eric, when they uh, report their numbers, they crush their numbers. And I believe in the cockroach theory where if you see one, you know there's more. And that also right. works for positive earning surprises. So I expect <laughs> they're positive. The other way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think uh, the positive earning surprises will continue. So that's one that I, frankly, kind of an obscure smaller cap name I've been hiding in and doing quite well with. So when we uh, talked about briefly, uh, also that is a little larger cap name in the networking space um, is Arista. Um, yeah. You know, Arista is very, uh, has been doing uh, very well for in recent quarters. They've been taking market share from Cisco um, and they have a lot of exposure to the uh, cloud titans, as they like to say. How, how are you feeling about Arista? I like Arista. Arista's in my uh, model. You know, the stock has uh, come down 
even though they continue to beat the numbers and have all those uh, great attributes, um, I would buy that stock. You know, particularly people are now flocking more often to Cisco because of its crazy high for a tech stock, at least dividend yield. And the fact that after missing many, many quarters, you, know, you may recall last quarter, uh, Cisco came back to life a little bit, had something right. positive to say. But I still like in that space, uh, Arista Networks much better. And um, I don't really have a call on what they're going to do this quarter. You know, it's a challenging environment for everybody. But I would definitely buy and hold that stock for the long term. Very comfortable with it. Okay. Um, another uh, smaller cap name that we talked about um, is Aspen. Um, tell people a little bit about what they do and uh, why you like the stock. Yeah, the technology titan from Bedford, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So um, this company trades about 30 times earnings, so it's not as cheap as Harmonic, but it's probably my number two pick. This is a enterprise resource planning company. You know, think about things like uh, Oracle, SAP, ServiceNow, Workday, companies like that, but they're focused on asset management, which is a theme that is hot right now ever since we rolled into um, COVID in early 2020. And they continue to uh, jump on that theme and growing very quickly. Again, as I said, 30 times earnings, it's probably a solid 20 uh, times grower. Mm -hmm. So it's growing at more than a one peg, which I don't like. But in the near term, Eric, uh, this is a company where I really believe we continue to have the meet and beat, meet and beat, meet and beat, which is frankly what you need right now. Right. So in, in terms of their, their participation in the ERP market, are they actually competing with Oracle and SAP or are they kind of a flying under the radar with a more? I think they're more of a fly under the radar, uh, more focused company. But, you know, what will happen, like it always does, is if they like it or not, when I say they like it or not, it might be a hostile takeover. Of course, you know, Oracle or SAP are one of the bigger firms will probably want to get their mitts on it. Right. Okay. So, so let's talk a little bit about Oracle. Um, Oracle's had uh, a, uh, uh, an interesting journey over the last year or so. They, the stock uh, was, uh, had a fantastic year in 2021, uh, dramatically outperformed the market. It was one of the best performing tech stocks last year. Then they announced this uh, Cerner acquisition uh, late in late December of last year. And it's been sort of downhill from there. Yeah. And, um, and on the other hand, um, you know, the Oracle continues to be a, a, a pretty strong turnaround story. They were basically, they basically went 10 years with no growth um, through 2020 or 2021. And I've had, uh, the, in recent quarters, have been really showing nice growth. And I, I wonder how you think about Oracle. We have actually a question from uh, one of our uh, listeners asking about uh, Oracle and their cloud strategy. What's your um, what's your take on Oracle? Yeah, and you've done some uh, nice reporting on this one, which I agree with. So Oracle, at uh, long last, I think will become a meaningful player in the cloud. Not necessarily that their technology is better than everybody else, but they start with a pretty big footprint that they've built since the 80s on-prem with some very important enterprise customers. So they're already in their workflow. And they are showing, in my view, some decent strides, mm -hmm. some nice strides. They'll become a uh, player with a big uh, two or three in the cloud over time uh, without uh, question. In the meantime, you know, their organic business has had a little bit of a uh, rebound. Mm -hmm. And the way I look at it is, 
you're absolutely right. The stock did great. And then the Cerner acquisition, which I'm kind of torn on. I like the healthcare vertical. Don't like the amount that they spent. But um, I think it's actually a pretty solid buy. It is in my model. Mm -hmm. I would like to hear what they say first on the next call. But um, organic uh, reacceleration of growth, probably the best they've seen in years. Could be a transformative acquisition. Let's see. But I like the uh, vertical healthcare that they're in. And the cloud business, they will be a three or four top player. And that'll be good enough for me where the stock is valued right now. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, Oracle is a buy or if you have it in a portfolio, you hold it and you wait till you get uh, the next data point before you add to the position. Okay. So um, kind of along the same lines, um, not only does Netflix report this week, but IBM reports tomorrow mm -hmm. afternoon. Um, IBM has its own turnaround story in progress. Um, they've, they've engineered that turnaround in part by getting rid of their slowest growing and least profitable business. Uh, and they, they managed services business, which they, spun out as Kindrel um, a year ago. Uh, that that was addition by subtraction uh, and has allowed <laughs> them to show uh, pretty nice growth, uh, yeah. mid single digit growth. Um, and yet uh, there are there are some worries about their vulnerability um, to recession. Uh, and we'll get uh, some clarity on that, uh, or at least a little bit of an update on that tomorrow when they report. Um, what's your thinking about IBM? I think IBM is interesting. I think um, IBM under their new CEO, and he's not particularly new, he's been there for a couple of years, yep. has made some choices that uh, long needed to be made. As you said, you know, spinning off that division, getting more focused. They also, even as they're getting more focused, every once in a blue moon, do have a nice hardware cycle, and uh, that has come upon them. But it's absolutely the case where they are a major enterprise player like Oracle. Mm -hmm. And uh, they touch every part of the enterprise. And can they avoid any contraction in IT spending in a recession? Absolutely not. So I give them some cred for where they've come from. Right. Uh, the stock is in my model. I'm very interested in how uh, they defend themselves against the uh, macro on tomorrow's call. Mm -hmm. But it's a company that deserves some respect. And uh, it pays a very meaty dividend yield. Why not own it in a dividend portfolio? Right. With a call option on price appreciation, if and when it acts like a tech stock. So I think that's kind of the way you play it. Yeah, the dividend uh, does, it makes it attractive and gives you a a, a bit of a cushion right? Uh, while you're waiting to, to see the numbers. Uh, I think uh, I think tomorrow's numbers are going to be a little bit messy. They still have to lap the Kindrel acquisition and um, currency is a big hit win for them. Um uh, but I think in general they're uh, they're doing uh, they're doing okay. So um, we have just a few minutes left. I want to touch on a couple of other things. Um, uh, one of our listeners, I, 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 we haven't talked about this, but I think will be I'll be curious to get your opinion on this. One of our listeners is asking about um, uh, your view on on the crypto sector, and I wonder whether you would either a play any of the stocks that touch on that space. And there are a few of them, MicroStrategy and a bunch of others. Um, or, or buy Bitcoin or other uh, cryptos. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? So I'm quite often asked about this and for a uber aggressive, right? My most aggressive customers, not the guys that say they're aggressive. They got to be uber aggressive, <laughs> aggressive on steroids. You know, I'd say, okay, let's take a very small slice of this asset al allocation pie. And maybe you buy something like uh, micro strategy. Um, 
I'm very worried about owning the coins themselves. Mm -hmm. Remember uh, the thesis for these stocks uh, a couple of years ago when they came on the scene was they are going to be uncorrelated assets that would be great for portfolio diversification because they will zig when the rest of the technology market zags. Right. The problem is they've ended up having infinite betas and they go up and down uh, in the same direction, unfortunately, as the NASDAQ 100. And so they right. don't uh, provide any diversification at all. So I think it might be cool to play. Let's come up with a um, backhanded way to play it. I don't go directly in the coins and I beg people, even the most aggressive folks, keep it very, very small percentage of your overall asset allocation. Right. Yeah. You, you make an interesting point about the, the the fact that they've been trading in lockstep with the NASDAQ, which is... Uh, so the, the the whether or not you however you might think about crypto in the long run um they're not delivering uh any uh particular uh unique value any uh, alpha yeah, and, and the problem with crypto is you know it's uh, really and probably for the foreseeable future just a means of speculation remember part of the thesis also was it was going to be commonplace for us but the problem is whether it's the federal reserve board of the united states or the central banks in other countries they must, must, must control monetary policy. Right. And uh, you are not going to take that away from them. And so I just don't see, at least in the near term, anything beyond maybe just a uh, digital uh, currency like they have with the digital one in China, but where it's going to be what cyber, uh, which these stocks were supposed to be, um, you know, years ago, how they're going to be our daily transaction means. I just don't see it. Um, monetary policy has to be, controlled by central banks. They are going to forevermore insist on that. So I, I want to just, with, with in, in our final minute here, uh, I, I want to come back uh, full circle and, and touch just for a moment again on, on Netflix, which again reports after the close today. One of the keys to, to the Netflix story now um, is going to be the success of their advertising business, right. uh, which they, of course, just announced. It launches uh, the, the uh, uh, basic with ad service launches on November 3rd. So it's not like they have any subscribers yet, um, but it's um, the the ability of that um, that platform to drive additional revenue and to drive additional subscriber growth might be the key to the stock going forward. And I wonder how you feel about that and also about the timing of the launch, because they're launching this right into the like the, you know, the teeth of a uh, what looks like it's going to be a pretty substantial downturn um, in the advertising um in advertising spending, what's your take on this situation? Yeah, so I'll be very interested to see what they say today. First of all, even before you get to the November 3rd launch, how do they do with their net subscribers? Right. The quarter that they're announcing today. Because we'll also see how bad their problem is while we're waiting for the new product line. Right. And, and just as a, just to you know, set the bar, they've uh, their forecast was for a million uh, net new subscribers this quarter. That would be a reversal from two quarters uh, of declining yeah. uh, net subscriber ads. The street seems to think the numbers might be a little bit better than that, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You know, so I think as far as the timing goes, they really wanted to get ahead of uh, Disney. So that's the uh, secret to the November 3rd. Right. And they have, you know, put some meat on the bone. They've talked about the pricing and some of the other um, uh, parameters around their new service. And I think I view, and I think most people view, I'm kind of mixed on it, right? There were some things about that announcement that were positive surprises to me, some th that were negative surprises. 
I'm also worried about the cannibalization of their legacy business. Right. And so Netflix, you know, when you asked me at the top about, you know, my favorite large cap stocks, particularly the fangs, you know, that's one that I'm kind of waiting. I may now, uh, regardless of what they say tonight, before I get back into that stock, I may want to wait until post November three, give me a couple of quarters to see how the uh, new product line is taking off because that is going to be the be all end all. I mean, that is a, a very, very important strategic change. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see what they how they report on it. Do they give us data on uh, cannibalization? Do they, uh, do they, you know, are they going to break out advertising revenue uh, initially? We'll have to see. And of course the challenge is if you downgrade from uh, say the current, if you go from the current basic plan, which is 999, uh, then, you know, the challenge is they need to generate at least $3 a month of revenue to keep themselves whole. If you go down from a higher price plan, the challenges are higher. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah. And then also the other part, Eric, is, um, you know, they're going to limit the devices. Right. Right. In the past, you know, probably was a bad strategy, but, you know, everybody could, uh, you know, log in from a variety of devices. So now we have this uh, new plan limiting it devices, also kind of a strategic change. Let's see how that goes. I think there's a lot of ifs around that. Yeah, there's two other elements that too, right? You you can't download content with this new uh, uh, plan, which you could with uh, the original, uh, uh, you know, the current Netflix plans, and um, and some content won't be available. Right. Uh, and they they've not said what content won't be available. Um, some they you know it'll be less than ten percent of their total content, but they don't have the uh, the rights to sell advertising against some of the content. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, should and, in fact and how. Uh many minutes per hour of ads are they going to uh, stuff down our throats? You know, they've given well, us a number. It's but, four to five initially. Yeah. Uh, now, what is it a year from now? I don't know. We'll, well see. That, yeah, that's what I meant. They put it out there, but uh, what are the digital advertisers going to demand to do business with them? That could change the mix. Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, uh, uncertainties wrapped around that. And if the stock was cheaper, you know, it's had actually a little bit of a bounce. It's had a nice rise. Yeah, well, I might, I might play it, but uh I think not. I think uh, if I had it in a portfolio, I probably wouldn't sell it, but I wouldn't add to it either. Got it. Paul, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, cool. It's been a great conversation. Welcome. Great to have you back on the show, and we will talk again before long. All right, Eric. Best wishes to you and everybody else. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. Um, please join us again tomorrow. Market Watch reporter Quentin Fottrell and Gregory Robb will discuss the impact inflation and economic uncertainty have on the U.S. Uh, outlook for shopping for the holiday season. Thanks to everyone for being with us. Uh, please uh, stay well. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.